the Daily Tap is live for Monday. We're going to talk about why the Bucks' ongoing problems are here to stay. We're going to talk some college basketball, look back on the weekend for not only Wisconsin, Marquette, but Wisconsin, and look ahead to this week as well. Lastly, we will do some Chuck's Corner. We're going to talk about my experience at National Marquette Day. I have a little bit of a rant, uh, shall we say, uh, for that. Also, too, we might mention a little bit about Euphoria because how can you not, right? Um, thank you for all that have listened this month. has been one of our best months in the last 12, which is really good, which is really good to see. I'm glad you guys love the content that we're putting out. Please keep telling people about us. Please keep the word of mouth going. Say we're a little bit different than what you hear on the radio, what you're hearing you know, from the people who just talk about the Packers, just talk about the Brewers, just talk about the Bucks. that we kind of cover it all. We're agnostic. We welcome everybody in. I actually think I used agnostic wrong there, but that's okay. We'll keep, growing, keep going. We're only going to get better. I promise you that. It's going to get better this year, and it's going to get bigger, and we're going to be on on a higher level later this year. Trust me. Uh, also, to make sure you're following us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports everywhere else. So make sure you're doing that as well. Uh, we appreciate all the support, all the love. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and other college, other basketball throughout the weekend. So Milwaukee Bucks lost to the Brooklyn Nets. They lost 126 to 123. It was an inexcusable loss for the Milwaukee Bucks, point blank, that we are out of playing nice anymore with the Milwaukee Bucks, that the Milwaukee Bucks have problems that I worry are here to stay. I worry that nothing is going to be fixed from this Milwaukee Bucks team. I hate to be someone like this. I'm usually not a fan that overreacts or a fan that gets to a doom and gloom stage. I love Bart Winkler. I think he does a great job, but Bart was saying, you know, oh, everyone's going to start running and hiding because the Bucks are losing in regular season. Look, man, I was with you in January. I was with you in December. I didn't think you needed to freak out about a December or January loss. The fact of the matter is the Bucks lost to a Brooklyn Nets team that did not have Ben Simmons or Kevin Durant on the roster had a guard unit that was a complete sieve defensively, and there was really no reason that the Bucs shouldn't have won that game by 10 points. I don't know what the Bucs were favored by. I didn't bet the NBA on Saturday, but they easily should have covered that spread. But the Bucs fell apart in the second half like they have all season. Most profitable bet could be going against the Bucs in the second half if you bet against your own team. I am concerned that the Milwaukee Bucks aren't fixing any of their problems. And when you keep seeing it, it doesn't become, oh, well, they'll fix it in the playoffs. It is a fucking pattern. And the Bucks have to stop this immediately. The Bucks have to give us some reason to believe because right now, this team looks like somebody who's going to be exiting either in the second or third round of the NBA playoffs. And hell, they might be lucky to get out of the first. They probably still will by pure talent. Now, you can tell me all you want about consistency and inconsistency. Eric Name had the stat over the weekend. The Bucks have used 708 lineups. That's the most in the NBA. That they just need to get consistent playing time for everybody. But at the same time, I can't look at this and say... I believe that things are going to get better because it it, it keep they keep doing the same fucking thing. All right, it's like a buddy of yours who gets too drunk, and this buddy of yours is like, 
I'm going to be better this time. I promise. Like, I know what I have to do. Like, I can't do shots. I can't. I can't drink hard alcohol and like I'm going to be better. And you believe this, buddy, because like you like drinking with him. You like going out with him. And then before you know it, he's ripping shots of tequila and he's a fucking hot mess again. That's what I feel like when I'm watching the Milwaukee Bucks right now is that I expect them to turn the corner and the corner just isn't there. So are they going to crash and burn and not necessarily be the team that I expect them to be? They had a disastrous third quarter. They allowed 43 points and let the Brooklyn Nets back into that basketball game and then subsequently let them win the game in the fourth quarter. They were so brutal down the stretch, which continues to plague them in the fourth quarter. It's like the Bucks can't close the door anymore and it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And I don't understand if it's Drew Holiday. I don't understand if it's Chris Middleton because Giannis's clutch time stats are actually really good. It's like he's one of the best players in winning time this year. So it's not like Giannis Antetokounmpo is like holding them back. He's doing the inverse. But the other guys around him just can't seem to hit that big shot. I mean, how many times have we seen now in the last two games the Bucks have played against Brooklyn and Philadelphia where a big shot was needed from somebody else and it went bagging off the rim or free throws were missed like Drew Holiday did. And at some point you have to ask yourself, is this just who the Bucks are and we have to embrace it? And we can't say, all right, this is going to get fixed in the playoffs because unfortunately, this just might be who the Bucks are. You know, I think back to the Brewers, it's a weird comparison, or even a little bit of the Packers, right, with the special teams, where we saw special teams struggle all year and we said, okay, well, maybe we can get by. We're so talented. We're this, we're that. The Brewers had trouble scoring runs, but we had this great pitching staff and, you know, we'd be able to kind of mitigate some of those problems. But at the end of the day, the cream rose to the top and that was what cost both the Brewers and the Packers. So these third quarter struggles and these this fourth quarter, I wouldn't even say collapses, but this fourth quarter sort of, the word I, I guess I'm looking for is like, just malaise like it just like they don't give a shit they don't care and they they get sloppy and they just are like okay the game is over with five minutes left instead of turning it keeping the pressure on and just making sure that these teams go in in the dirt they've lost some of that killer instinct that i think they had last season where they put teams to bed now you could argue well charlie this killer instinct will come in the playoffs, well, I gotta fucking see it against some of these teams. Like, I have to see the Bucks have the ability to beat a team, you know, with an impressive fourth quarter and with a pretty good third quarter. It just seems like the Bucks are allergic to doing those things. And that's what gives me fright. That's what makes me wonder if this team can actually make it for the long run because it, it's just not there. And I can't, I can't keep like separating the fact that it's it's not happening. It's just not. And so it's hard to be like, oh, this regular season doesn't matter, and this regular season is not going to affect what happens in the in the postseason. I think that's bullshit, man. Like you have to at some point show the kind of heart of the champion, right? And show that you belong as the top dog in in the NBA East or the NBA West and that you matter 
but it's it's not getting better for the Bucks. We're not seeing a a bright side, right? We can't look at this and say, okay, that they're they fixed this problem. Like, let's just hypothetically play this out that Milwaukee had a really good third quarter against the Nets. They played the Nets, but they collapsed down the stretch. We could at least say like, hey, they at least played a really good third quarter or they had a bad third quarter, but they finished strong and they beat the Nets. And it's like, yeah, that third quarter is still an issue, but they did finish strong and won by like eight or nine points and did everything that they were supposed to do. The Bucks have to stay focused. And I don't know what it's going to take. I, I really don't. And Mike Budenholzer might have to just completely reshuffle the deck and basically try to do as many different things as possible for the next six to seven weeks to find what combinations work and what makes the most sense for this Bucks team. Because right now what they are doing is not working, whether it be out of the halftime or in the fourth quarter when things are starting to fall apart. The Bucs really need a hard reset for the rest of the season, and it's not going to get easy for them. They have a very tough schedule down the stretch where they're playing a lot of playoff teams in these final 21 games. And as you remember Mitch talking about, they need to win 14 to get to 50 wins. There's a real chance that the Bucs don't get to 50 wins, and usually you get you need to get to that 50-win mark to be considered a quote-unquote finals team. Now I'd have to look back through the annals to see if there have been teams under 50 that have made it to the finals. I'm sure there have been. And are the Bucks talented as anybody? Sure. But you need to see something else. You need to see some sort of change in them and not necessarily the same fucking shit over and over again. And that's that's the problem. That It, it just does not seem like things are getting fixed. And I don't know what what makes the difference and some people could say well if brooke lopez comes back it's all going to be fixed well how much is brooke lopez going to play i mean he's coming off a huge back surgery if anything they're going to probably rotate in brooke serge Ibaka, bobby portis i i here's the thing and i mentioned this a little bit on the podcast last week with match and i keep referring to that so you should probably go listen to it but why not try Ibaka in the starting rotation and put Bobby on the bench? I realized Bobby had a 30-point had a game. I realized Bobby was great. He was the reason the Bucks didn't get blown out in that game by the Nets. But at the same time, I do wonder if Bobby Portis off the bench would provide a spark that this team needs and really figure out their rotation. They are struggling without Pat Connaughton and without Brooke Lopez, and they are just missing a little too much right now. And it it just you just wonder if it's never going to get to that point where you want it to be. And if you're never going to get to that point, are you destined to fail when other teams are really kind of hitting their stride? I wouldn't say anyone is at the the quote unquote hitting their stride. But Philadelphia has looked really good in the first two games. Now they free throw to death both Minnesota and New York, and I think that will even itself out. And New York's bad, and maybe we don't take it that seriously, but it's hard not to come away impressed with what Philly did the last two nights. And the fact that you know Chicago keeps winning, they beat Atlanta, and yeah, they did lose to Memphis. You're not necessarily looking at this weekend and saying any of these teams are 
in quote-unquote panic mode, but besides the Bucks and maybe the Golden State Warriors, I mean, the Warriors blew a fucking 20-point lead in the fourth quarter at home, and I would argue that was probably worse than what happened to the Bucks, just given the fact they were pretty much had the Mavericks dead and buried, need to hit a couple more shots, and the Mavericks go on an absolutely crazy run, and they do nothing to stop it. So I would say I appreciate Steph Curry and the Warriors for making the Bucks not the focal point, but it's going to be hard for people not to focus or not to think about Milwaukee and wonder if they are not going to be able to defend their championship in the way that we thought they would. So this is a big week for me when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Because they have the the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Now the Hornets are coming off a tough loss in overtime to Detroit on a back-to-back. And they have to travel. So this could be a great time for the Bucks to get the Charlotte Hornets. Wednesday night, home against Miami. Then you head to Chicago. And then you play Phoenix without Chris Paul. Those are four games that matter. Those are four games where the Bucks could really send a statement. I'm not saying you have to win all four games, but let's just say you have four good third quarters, you don't collapse down the stretch, and if you go three and three and one and maybe you lose a close last second game to Chicago or Phoenix or even Miami, I think everyone's coming away feeling a lot better next Sunday than they do right now. I think Bucks fans are just looking at it and saying, look, you've lost four of your last five. It doesn't seem like things are getting fixed. The The stretch against Portland and the two LA teams, it seemed like every all systems were go. And then it's all kind of pittered out. And that's been the Bucks all season. It's like it's like a game of runs with the Bucks. It's like they get hot for a little bit, you feel good, and then they lose again. And it's like, is this team just not focused? Is this team just not dialed in because they're like, well, we want a championship. And this does happen to teams. And I, I just wonder if that's where the Bucks are and the focus isn't there and maybe it does come back to life. But it's hard for me to think that this Bucks team is going to change just given what we've seen all season. And maybe we just have to embrace their flaws. We have to see kind of the ugliness of it and hold on for dear life. And maybe it makes it happen. But I will, I will just caveat this. If we were thinking about last year at this time, maybe a little bit later in the season, but if we were thinking about last year at this time, now granted COVID kind of fucked with the schedule, but if we look at the Bucks last year in basically the start of March, they got hot. That's, that's, they did go on a real big tear. But after they had went on a big tear and were 29-4, and four, they did have a stretch where they lost a few games. They had a stretch after 29 and 14. Remember that? I think Giannis misses missed some games there. They lose. They would they would then go six. They lose six of their last nine in there as well. So like there were moments of of doubt, right? We had those moments of doubt. But yeah, we have not seen anything like what the Bucks did last year when they were 16 and 13. They rattled off. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. They they won thirteen of fourteen. We have not seen that version of the Bucks, and at some point we are asking them to wake up, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to come. 
So maybe we just have to embrace that that this is what the Bucks are. And I apologize for repeating myself a couple times on that, but I think it's really important to get get the point across and understand that we we are maybe have have a different attitude towards them as the season wraps up. Moving on to college basketball, um, we are in the final week of college basketball, an unreal um, week um, weekend, I should say, for co- for college hoops. So with all the top teams going down, um, I think it gave everybody a little taste of madness um, early on, and I think it drove up a lot of excitement for college basketball. I think it's been a great year for college hoops. I think there are a lot of good teams, a lot of fun ones to watch, and I think locally. It helps that Marquette and Wisconsin are both playing really well. Um, Marquette got off to Schneid. Um, after losing four of their last six, they're able to beat Butler um, and sort of keep where they're standing in the Big East as well as not drift into the bubble conversation. Not that I think Marquette would have been on the bubble if they had lost to Butler, but I do think people would start wondering, it, it, would Marquette be a team that is trending in the wrong direction. And you don't want to be a team trending in the wrong direction heading to the month of March. So Marquette getting that win was very important. It did not look like an easy one for the Golden Eagles as they were down early. They were down 23 to 14, really were not stopping anything for Butler. And then the the flip switched. Like it was ugly to finish off that first half. Like Marquette was still trailing. It was 33 to 30. It, it was a rock fight and really was a rock fight the entire game. Like I think there were only two Marquette players that scored in double digits, which were Marcel and Justin Lewis. But still, they Marquette really clamped down defensively, really made some smart adjustments. Shock Smart took Kirkuth off the court. I didn't realize this when I was at the game, uh, but Kerr only played six minutes, and that was it. And they went small. And it really paid off. Some big minutes from Stevie Mitchell. I thought Stevie Mitchell was a game changer. If you want to be excited about Marquette's future, watch Stevie Mitchell and Cam Jones the last few weeks. I mean, those guys are the fucking future of Marquette basketball. And the the future is really bright. So no matter what happens this season, the future is very bright for this team. And I thought Stevie Mitchell's second half was really the reason why Marquette won this game was he just came in there like a ball of fire on on defense and then had a little bit offensively, hit a big three that had tied the game initially and then Butler got a bucket like right back. But it was a huge moment in the game as they were trying to climb back from being down all game long. They didn't get a lead. They had their first lead. I think it was a Lewis dunk or something like that. And they had it was three to two, and that was the last time Marquette had had the lead. So they really had to scrap and claw. And it was kind of a game that we haven't seen from Marquette all season. And I think that's what gave me a little bit of an encouragement that, yeah, there are some things broken with this team, like, but the defense kind of came back to life in the second half with that small ball lineup, less Kerr and more, you know, bringing in a guy like Oso who is a different type of defender. He's he's a bigger, but it's not necessarily like Kerr inside. And you can kind of make Oso be a little more malleable and play guard multiple positions. I think that's what Marquette has to do going forward. I'll be very curious to see what that lineup looks like uh, for Shock Smart on Wednesday against DePaul. If they roll out something similar, if they try something different, the 
Cam Jones in the starting rotation didn't really work early on. I don't think they're there defensively, and maybe it's a Stevie Stevie Mitchell to start, and Cam Jones then comes off the bench. I thought Olivier Max Max Prosper O Max did well off the bench. I thought he actually gave some really good minutes, um, and I I don't mind Cam Jones starting, but I do like Cam Jones off the bench. I think he has that per he's a perfect bench guy right now. And I think he can really be a factor sort of as the sort of shake it up, like first guy off the bench and, and just start firing. He's, I love his confidence. And I just think that's more built for the bench than it is for the starting rotation. But that's just me. And we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they continue with a similar lineup or they try something different. Now for where they will fit in the Big East tournament, which should be an, an absolute classic. Really excited for the Big East tournament. How could you not be? There, There's a lot of things that can happen, but it really probably means Marquette's going to be a, a four at best, likely a five seed um, with losing both games to Creighton. Creighton has a tiebreaker. It would take Creighton to lose both games, which I think they play. They oh, Who do they play? They, they have, I had this listed on my notes, but, I apologize. Oh, they played Connecticut. So they play UConn. They play UConn and Seton Hall. And we'll mention Seton Hall in a second here. But they need to win those games to kind of keep with either a four or a five seed. Not that it matters. Like Marquette would either probably play Creighton. I think it just matters what jersey you're wearing in that first game. Now Marquette can avoid can't avoid you know being a six seed. And the only way that would happen is if they lost to DePaul and St. John's, which shouldn't happen. But if Marquette were to lose two straight, they would that would mean they're not getting a bye on that Wednesday. It would mean they have to play Georgetown on Wednesday night. Which obviously would they take care of business against Georgetown? Yes, but just win on Wednesday against DePaul and is not a problem. I realize that is easier said than done. Marquette has had some horrific games at DePaul. Um, the place has been a house of horrors for the Golden Eagles. Let's just hope that maybe with a new regime, it is not like that, and Marquette can take care of business and make DePaul a non-factor. But yeah, there's also a chance that Seton Hall could be the opponent for Marquette and not Creighton, which would be very interesting given Marquette was able to beat them twice this year and really dominated Seton Hall the second time around at Seton Hall, and I would know that team would be out for revenge. I almost would rather play Creighton, honestly, because if you just think about it from who has more to gain in a Creighton-Marquette matchup, it's Marquette because they lost two really close games with Creighton, and when you're placing Seton Hall, it's the inverse. Seton Hall got pretty much, well, the second game was an embarrassment for Seton Hall. First game was very close down to the wire. Um, It was kind of last possession wins. So, but Seton Hall still will be looking for revenge. I kind of would rather be, you know, the hunter versus the hunted here. And that's where I would be more preferable to play Creighton in in that first round game and then get a shot at Providence on Friday night. Because I I think both teams, you know, anyone will want a shot at Providence. I think Providence, to me, is a wounded, I don't want to say wounded, that's a little strong, but they are not a one seed you fear. So to get them on a Friday night uh, in the garden with Providence Marquette and then potentially UConn Villanova 
would be a lot of fucking fun. That would be quite the Friday night between with those four teams uh, going at it with each other because that would be be premier television. Um, would really like that, but it could be Creighton, could be Seton Hall, um, and not Marquette. But yeah, hopefully Marquette just beats DePaul on Wednesday. And then there's no worry about a six seed. You just do not want to have to play that extra game just with everything, right? Like, you know, you don't want to fuck around and lose that game, heaven forbid. I mean, oh my God, if you lost to Georgetown, it would be catastrophic. But, you know, A, you don't want to lose that game. But B, you also want to make sure that you don't have to play an extra game if you don't have to. And the easiest way to do that is to just beat the ball. And, and that's it. So we'll see what happens. Um, should be a fun fun game on Wednesday against DePaul. And it's also ironic that Marquette's playing on Ash Wednesday. I feel like you can't lose with Marquette playing on Ash Wednesday. That's just me. Uh, Wisconsin uh, on the other side, and I know we don't do a lot on Wisconsin, and truth be told, as I've mentioned before, I don't watch them as closely. Um, I did notice they had a nice win against Rutgers. I was a little bit inebriated uh, during that game, uh, hand up. Uh, but they were able to take care of business against Rutgers at Rutgers. Very tough place to play. Jeff Goodman mentioned that he thinks the Badgers should be a one seed. I think that's a little crazy. I understand the Badgers have had some good wins, but I just do not see that as a pathway. I don't think that the Badgers should get rewarded at that high of level at this point. I think if they beat Purdue on Tuesday, we can at least start to have that conversation. And then if they have an impressive Big Ten run, then yeah, maybe they deserve that one seed. But I'd be hard-pressed to be like, oh yeah, they deserve it over what Arizona, I realize Arizona lost on Saturday, but like what Arizona has done all season, what Gonzaga has done all season, I see Auburn's a tough one. I will say Auburn to me is off that one seed line. And, but Kentucky, here's the thing. Like, I think Kentucky is the best team in basketball. Like, I heard Titus and Tate both put Kentucky as their national champion. I love Kentucky this year. I think Kentucky is really strong. I mean, Kentucky and, and Kansas, for that matter, both lost on the road against really good teams. And it was just... For Kentucky, it was just Arkansas had, you know, made a couple more shots. And for Baylor, it was they just got on one big run and Kansas wasn't able to respond to that. So to be like, yeah, Wisconsin right now is a one seed, maybe. But I, I still feel that's aggressive. I think if you're projecting it out, maybe a two two seed's reasonable. I mean, saw Jerry Palm have him as a two. Um, and I think... They could make a case for one if they were to beat Purdue. Um, but I, the only one where I'm like, okay, yeah, they're not a one seed anymore is Auburn. Because Auburn can't win on the road. And that's a real issue. If you can't win on the road, you're not going – you shouldn't be a one seed. If, if you – you know, they, this is now the third – I think their third road loss in a row, right? Because they lost to Florida. They lost to um, Tennessee last, last Saturday. And then they also lost to uh, Arkansas. And they almost lost to Georgia, who's terrible. So, I mean, this, that's a real factor. But, yeah, for the Badgers, it's really simple. You just beat Purdue, and you're in the tur- you're the number one seed in the Big Ten. You get Nebraska on Sat- Sunday, that'll be a cakewalk. You can basically run the roost of the Big Ten. There's no way 
that the Badgers don't get a double buy. Um, they're in that kind of house money zone. I'd argue that this is a little bit of a house money game for them in Purdue. I mean, an outright Big Ten title would be great for the Badgers, and it would speak to the coaching job that Greg Gard has done this year because I think the Badgers were picked 11th to in the Big Ten. So there was not a lot of doubt that this would be this good of a season for the Badgers. So I do think there is a sense of pride. It's all it's not senior night, right? Because they have they play Nebraska on Sunday, but their their fans are their social media is really trying to push like loud, get you know a little more energy. There's been some commentary, you know, from Badger fans that that the Cole Center is not what it used to be, and the energy there is lacking. We've certainly Marquette fans bitch about that too. So it seems like it's a universal thing i i don't know if we just blame this generation with their phones or what but it's yeah it's bad or just that people are getting old and these white hairs who used to have season tickets were a lot younger a few years ago and they were a lot louder and now they just don't care as much i don't know but yeah it's um it's definitely one that the badgers want i just wonder is purdue going to come out hungry after losing to michigan state i think that was kind of a worst case scenario for the Badgers just because it's a wake-up call for Purdue. And I don't think Purdue's lost two straight all year. And they've seemingly, I think, bounced back on, on every sort of, after every loss that they've had this season, looking at the Boilermakers. Yeah, so they when they lost to Wisconsin, they came back, beat Penn State on the road by seven. When they lost to Indiana, they beat Northwestern by 20. When they lost to Michigan, they then had a very, actually a very close win against Maryland. And so we'll see. So I will argue, I will say that the Badgers are the best team that Purdue has faced after a loss. So they, there's there's a chance. There is a definite chance that that the Badgers could could beat them um, again. And then, then you really have to start asking some questions about where is Purdue seeding? Does Purdue go down to the three line um, in the NCAA, but yeah, Badgers have a, a real opportunity here, and we'll see if they capitalize. It's an impressive season. You can't you can't hate on it, even if you're not a fan. Um, it's hard not to be impressed with the job that Greg Gard has done with the year Giant Davis has had. I don't think Giant Davis is Player of the Year, though. Not to be a hater, but Oscar Sheboy, I mean, is it's him. Thir- I mean, he had what he had like thirty and seventeen against Arkansas. Sheboy is just an absolute freak. He's so good at rebounding the basketball. He's great at scoring. I I look at Chibway. I also think the SEC is right up there with best conference this year. I would probably, in no real order, to say like SEC, Big Ten, and Big East are probably the three best this year. Um, Big 12, eh, no, I wouldn't put Big 12 in that. I think the Big 12 is a little top heavy. But yeah, those three so that's where, to me, I would bring my player of the year from out of those three conferences. I think Shibuya would be that guy, in my opinion. But that's, I'm sure a lot of Badger fans would tell me I'm an idiot. But that's okay. That's that's perfectly fine. We'll see what Wisconsin does against Purdue on Tuesday night. Wrapping up with Chuck's Corner. If you're not familiar with Chuck's Corner, it's basically a time where I just talk about things that aren't sports-related. Because I think that sometimes it's like, God. You know, we need we need a little bit of a break. We need a breather from just talking about sports for forty or fifty fucking minutes. You know, I remember Mitch telling me he's like, "You went fifty three on a podcast." It was like a Monday after Packer game, and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "That no one needs that," and I'm like, "You're right." He's like, "Was this supposed to be something for people to drive to work?" I was like, "Yeah," 
And again, it was all sports. And I like, I want to make it an experience where you guys are hanging out with me, enjoying not only the sports takes, but also just my life takes. Because I, I think that I do enough to have things to talk about. And National Marquette Day um, is a day for, you know, the Marquette alum. And it is a homecoming of sorts. Everybody comes in town. Everybody gets ripped up. It A lot of people who are... You know, our age, um, I'm in my early 30s, my wife's in her late 20s, they get ripped up and sort of, you know, think like they're in college again. And that's sort of part of the National Marquette Day allure. Um, And we definitely did that um, at Brothers, which I got to say, so I know Brothers is known as like a party bar. It's known as like a, a, you know, a 20 to 27 year old place. Brothers during the day. Fucking plays, ton of TVs, ton of space. Like I think, like if you're doing day drinks, like Brothers has to be a part of your rotation. Like you have to think about going to Brothers, you know, for sort of a day game, you know, a day drinking event. Like if you're like, oh, we're gonna go watch the Bucks at two thirty on a Sunday, play like if they're you know, like the Phoenix game. Like to me, like Brothers should be a spot you consider. What was really nice about Brothers from like after National Marquette Day was it's so big that they're able to let a bunch of people in. Like we usually go to Dukes. That's kind of like my wife's thing with their friends. And Dukes was just absolutely packed. And so there was no way we were getting in. And we just ended up going to Brothers instead. It was a great choice. But what i not really here, I wasn't really here to talk about the drinking, which was fun. But what I was here to mention was, so we were... You know, we have tickets uh, like third row, upper deck. It's actually they're actually really nice things right behind one of the benches. Or I'm sorry, behind one of the uh, hoops. And my God, so many people just could not stay in their fucking seats. Like, I hate to sound like an old man, but, and I understand, like, I get it. This is a day to reconnect. This is a day to see people. But if you're just gonna, like, do that, just hang out in the fucking concourse. Like, I don't care that you are, you know, needing to get up every fucking five minutes, but it was ridiculous. Like, I was on the ad end, which is great. I love sort of my seat. Like, I could watch every Marquette game from that seat, but people just kept getting up, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Can we just chill? Just hang out for a little while. Like, it, nobody could hold their water. It was like every two fucking minutes... We had somebody else getting up and he's like, oh, sorry, man, last time, last time. And people weren't staying for the end. I was like, you guys, like, I understand that, like, some of you might not care that much about basketball, but this game wasn't, like, in hand. Like, Marquette did not, like, have this one wrapped up. They weren't up 20. Like, it was just a lot of fake fans. And on top of that, like... Why fucking go to the game if you're going to be getting up 90% of the time? I just don't understand that philosophy. I I really don't get it. I also don't get buying tickets, you know, in that area. If you're going to do that, why don't don't you buy tickets closer to the concourse? I, I realize how I sound here. I realize I sound like an old man. I realize I sound like a boomer. But it was just ridiculous to have all these kids just floating in and out versus just staying put like i it's it to me just it it, i wouldn't say it ruined the experience i won't go that far i don't even want to say it dampened the experience it just made it sort of 
annoying. It was this annoyance. Like the first couple times, fine, but and it really wasn't that bad in the first half. It was the second half that was absolutely fucking brutal, and nobody could hold their water. It was just I don't know. Who knows? Got too drunk. Or started to see more people. I was like, oh shit, you're at the game, you're at the game. But man, those people sucked. And they their apologies were accepted in the time. But I knew I was going to rant about them and make them content uh, very quickly. Because um, I got to go. Um, taping this very late or early um, Monday morning. I just want to say Euphoria finished. Um, if you don't watch Euphoria or if you're behind, turn off the podcast now. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, but... I really, I really enjoyed how it wrapped up. I think it was good. Like I, I think there's enough suspense. You know, we don't know what happened with Fez. We don't know exactly where this the Cassie versus Maddie rivalry is going. Um, when Maddie goes, it's just the beginning. Um, tells me that this is is it just the beginning for her and Nate Jacobs. Is it just the beginning for Cassie and her to be beefing? What what does that exactly mean? And then, you know, Rue staying clean, good. Is that going to last? Is Lexi going to be more of a prominent figure? What will the rivalry between Lexi and Cassie be? Is that going to be a thing next year? It was really good. It, was, it did a good job of not necessarily giving up too much, setting the table, um, but also not necessarily leaving us with a ton of questions. So it's good. It was a it was a good finale. I would give it, eh, I would say a minus B plus. I mean the scene, the scene where Cassie goes off about the about the play is unfucking real. And then Matt the slap heard around the world from Maddie, which had been you know bu- bubbling up all year, was incredible. And if you're like Charlie. You're a 33-year-old watching Euphoria. What are you doing? I am the same person who watched The O.C., who watched One Tree Hill. This should not be a surprise that I enjoy something like Euphoria. It just, it's right up my fucking alley. Teen drama, perfect. Like that, to me, like a, a good teen drama, you can, you can all, it'll always play. It will always play our college drama. Like it's perfect. Like I actually really liked, which is not, it's not in the same vein because it's different. It's a comedy and it's, I would say it's a, it's not necessarily like Euphoria, but like Sex Life of College Girls, which was on HBO Max, was really good too. And that sort of has that same vibe. And again, probably not something that a guy my age should really like, but I do. And I have no problem with it. It's fine. It's fine. You know, whatever. And, and I've said, I've made a take that, Oh, I won't. I was gonna. I was gonna actually. Nah, I won't do it. I, I'll save it. I, I'll save that for another check score. I have a Sydney Sweetie take that I ran by some friends, and then people are like, "Yeah, it's kind of creepy." And then I was like, "I was just about to say it," and I'm like, "You know what? We'll uh, we'll put that one in the holster. If you want to ask me about it, I'm more than happy to tell you about it um, off camera, off." Off podcast, Mike, and and give it to you. It involves Sydney Sweeney, involves Kate Upton, and America, and the whole thing. So, trust me, it's worth your time. It's just probably might make some people a little uncomfortable. So, I'm just gonna leave it. Just gonna leave it holstered in the chamber. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. A really big week this week. We're gonna talk with Shannon 
uh, about just, you know, where things are going DJ-wise here in Milwaukee, just the scene, how things have been going um, since the last time we talked. Um, we'll also do a little sports with him. Um, and then we will talk with Mitch uh, later this week, as we always do. And, yeah, we're going to have a week. It's going to be fun. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.